A long time ago, which is to say two and a half weeks ago, on Ash Wednesday, we were all invited to a Holy Lent. We were invited into that Holy Lent, and I'm wondering how that's going. Some of you might be going, not bad. Some of you, not so good. But if any of you are thinking, it's going great, I don't believe you. <laughs> because that invitation into a Holy Lent called us to self-examination, repentance, and prayer. Self-examination. You know, we do a little self-reflection from time to time, but real self-examination, deep self-examination, leads us into that territory where we have to remember the things we've done that we really wish we hadn't, and the things we didn't do that we really should have, and it is, in fact, the land of regret and even shame. And shame is one of the most painful and difficult emotions any of us experience. No one who's feeling shame feels great. You know that, and so do I. So I am really glad that we have this particular story now that we are here on this third Sunday in Lent, because it has a lot to tell us about shame, among other things. Now, last week, you'll remember that Jesus had this encounter with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who was a rabbi, a leader of the council in Jerusalem, a big deal. And he comes to Jesus by night because he thinks Jesus is clearly from God, and he's trying to figure out who Jesus is and what he might be. Well, what a difference a week makes. Jesus has left Jerusalem. He's traveling through Samaria, which is the most direct route from Jerusalem up to Galilee, back in the area of Nazareth. And it is the middle of the day. The disciples have gone off to get some food, and he is sitting by this well. Jesus does a couple of things that are a little odd. First of all, this woman comes to gather water, and he talks to her. First century Israel, a man alone did not talk to a woman alone. That was just not done. The second thing, of course, is that she's a Samaritan, and the story will tell you that Samaritans and Jews don't get along. That is masterful understatement. Samaritans and Jews hate each other. The way family members who've had a terrible breakup hate each other and feud and don't speak to each other. The fact is that while it was the most direct route from Jerusalem to Galilee, most Jews would go the long way around so you didn't have to go to Samaria. The big beef was that the Jews believed that the only proper place where worship and sacrifices could be offered correctly was in Jerusalem. You had synagogues for teaching, but the real worship, the sacrifice, only in Jerusalem. The Samaritans happened to believe that if the altars that were set around their land, where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob worshipped, were good enough for the patriarchs, it was good enough for them. We look at that and we go, really? That's what that was about? But it was a huge deal for them. So he's talking to a woman, and she happens to be 
a Samaritan. And then there's some things that are a little strange about her as well. Why is she coming to the well in the middle of the day? It's blazing hot. Women go as a group to the well early in the morning, both because it's not so hot, but also it gives them a chance to chat, to catch up on the news, to do what they want for a little while, as well as get all the water that the household's going to need for the day. So it's a little strange. But here the two of them are, and once they get going, they keep going. And where do they go? They go into this amazing conversation. Now, we have human emotions that we tend to exclude from the Bible. Most of us don't think there's a lot of humor in the Bible. You ever say to someone, you really want to laugh, read the Bible? I don't think so. We don't think that God is sarcastic. We think other things about God, but we don't think sarcasm is really God's forte. And we don't think of God as being particularly playful. Those are all incredibly human emotions and expressions, but we somehow have decided that they're irreligious. Well, I would love you to look at this story, to go home today after this sermon and after this service and read this story again. They get into this thing about the water. Get me some water. Why are you asking me for water? I'm a Samaritan. Well, the fact is, if you wanted, I could give you living water. Great, give me the living water. I would like that. And Jesus just keeps egging her on and upping the ante. Now, part of what I love and why I mentioned Nicodemus, the minute Jesus goes back at Nicodemus, if you remember, he goes silent. He has like two lines, and that's it. Jesus and this woman back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, each of them giving as good as they get. She's not quiet. Jesus isn't quiet. And this conversation is actually pretty funny. And it's really important, especially when Jesus says, go call your husband. And she says, don't have one. Then he says, yeah, true enough. You've had five. The man you're with now, not your husband. Now we know why she is going to the well alone at midday, because no one wants to be with her. She is scandalous. Jesus already knows this. She, to her credit, does not fall into shame. She says, yep, that would be true. Pretty remarkable response. And, he's, and then she says, so my thinking is maybe you're a prophet. Then they decide to talk about that big issue between the Jews and the Samaritans, all about worship. And he says something which she would never expect a Jew to say, which is, right now, I think we Jews have this right, but the time is going to come when it doesn't make any difference because we're all going to worship together in spirit and truth because God is not nearly as concerned about the where and the how of your worship as God is that you actually worship. 
And she's like, whoa, 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 that's Messiah talk. And he says, yes, it is. And yes, I am. We have so many passages where Jesus says, I know I've done a miracle, don't tell anyone. I know you think I might be the Messiah, but we're not talking about that now. This woman is the one to whom he says, yes, I am he. She goes back into town. The disciples come. They're actually horrified to see Jesus talking with this woman alone, who is a Samaritan. But of course, they don't say anything. She goes into town, into this town where she is a scandalous woman and tells everyone about Jesus and that Jesus knows everything about her. All the people know everything about her, but so does Jesus. And she didn't have to tell him, he just knew. And they are surprised enough by her behavior that they will all go to see Jesus. They will be so excited, they will ask him to stay for two days. And that village will actually become a village full of disciples. She is the one who gets to hear he's the Messiah. She's the one who does this amazing job of evangelists. She is maybe the first and best evangelist in the Bible. So it's a great story. So what? Other than getting you to understand that there is actually some humor and playfulness in the Bible, so what? Well, I think it contains a gift for you and me and all of us. And I also think it contains a really important messaging gift for us in relationship to the world. But let's start with us. It's like I said at the beginning, self-examination gets us to do this, to look at the stuff we don't want to look at, the stuff we don't like to acknowledge, and the stuff we certainly do not want other people to know about us. And even the best of us have a few things on that list. And most of us have more than a few things. Well, here's the first thing we get to remember. We know it, but we forget. God already knows. Your shameful secrets, like that woman's shameful secret, God already knows. And what are those other great human emotions we know? Oh, judgment, shame, humiliating people. We attribute those to God. We think God's going to shame us. We think God's going to judge us. We think when we encounter God, we might be humiliated. Pay attention to this story. We do that. God does not do that. That is not in God's nature. That's in ours. And so what that means for us is there is nothing that we can bring to God or say to God that God doesn't already know and that God will refuse to hear. That's an astonishing gift. And then the other gift in this story for us in the world is that every one of us has someone, sometimes a whole group of people, we don't like, we don't talk to, 
that we would cross the street to avoid. They are the Samaritans in our lives. And maybe it's because of some family feud, or maybe that dislike has to do with differences of culture, or education, or race, or class, or politics. Who knows? We use all those things. This story invites us to consider who our Samaritans are and then figure out how we're going to talk to them. And why are we going to talk to them? Because Jesus talks to them. Because there is no person that Jesus thinks is beyond God's care. And Jesus believes everyone, everyone, is worth God's time. So this Holy Lent, this Holy Lent we are right in the middle of, it's a daunting season because of what it asks of us. It's a wonderful season. And it's the season that gives us the way into the water of life. Amen.